Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Comedy Seller Show here on Sirius XM Channel 99. We're here with Krista Montella, Hello. Dan Natterman. We have some, some guests coming down. We're here at the back table at the Olive Tree Cafe, which is right above the Comedy Cellar. And uh, so what's up, Dan? How was your week, Dan? Well, I was in Vegas. Uh, was, was that better? Was what better? Was that, was that, that better? intro. Was that better? Yeah, Let's that segue. was more reasonable, sure. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I was certainly a lot more reasonable than what you've done in the past. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was doing a corporate gig. I don't know if we've talked much about corporate gigs on the show, but uh, for those for the uninitiated, which I assume is most people listening, a corporate gig is when a comedian does a show for a corporation that he's not paid based on how many people are in the seats, but the corporation pays him whatever they pay him, and he does. It's a private show, and uh, it usually pays pretty well. But it's very restrictive because... You, you might even add to that that people don't realize that the comedians don't really make much money in the clubs. E even at, at my club, which happens to be the highest paying club, the comedians don't make much money. So they have to go out to get other work in order to, to make ends meet. Right. And so they do certain private events and corporate gigs are... Um, yeah, there's private events. More and, and more, right? I'm doing more corporate gigs because as I may have mentioned, I don't know if I've discussed this, I can no longer do clubs psychologically. I just, maybe the, maybe the day will come when I'll be able to go back to them. There's clubs generally at several days and many shows. You mean like a headlining gig? A headlining gig at a club. It's just too many shows and too stressful. So there are, there are uh, uh, um, chains of clubs what are some of the, that, that, well, that span the country, right? There's and then there's right? independent clubs. Right, but, but like you can get booked at the improvs and you can do like 10 or 15 improvs around the country. Is that how it works? I guess so. But again, I don't do many of those. They don't pay generally as well as a corporate gig and it's more work. And I just can't do it. I, I, I've hit But you can do like the Laugh House in, you know, Saugerties from yeah, Wednesday to Saturday. But Dan cannot go in any stage where he imagines <laughs> that they no, are anti-Semitic. No, 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 no. Well, <laughs> it's true. It's well, true. Saugerties. Well, um, <laughs> he believes there, that outside of Manhattan, everybody looks at him like a Jew. But wait, can you just well, explain? Well, but that's, that's only a small part of my... Um, neuroses. Neuroses. I just don't like being away for a long time. I, I don't even like doing corporate shows, but it's only one show. I do one show and I get the hell so out of it. what was the corporation? It was a, an association of limo, um, taxi, and paratransit. You know what paratransit is? Uh, no. No. Paratransit is transit for handicapped people. Oh. But my first joke was, because they, they like you to make a joke that's tailored to the particular uh, organization. So I said, hey, oh, yeah, somebody no. told me uh, paratransit. Why, why do parrots need their own transit? And then I... <laughs> oh, parrots. Oh, I yeah, para. Para. It is para, but that's the oh. joke. <laughs> the joke is paratransit. Why do parrots... And then I did an imitation of a parrot saying, Rrr, step on it. Rrr. Yeah. I thought oh, it was cute. Jesus well, it's Christ. corny, but I thought you run these things by me from time to time. I'm not a total idiot. Well, I had, you know, the point is, is I didn't say it was a good joke, but it was. I thought it'd be, it's, it's corny, and I thought it'd be good for a few chuckles. But anyway, it, it, and, but normally, and, and it wasn't. Yeah, it is. Oh, they left. No, but, oh. they, but, but, but they're wrong and you're wrong. It's a funny cornball joke. You know what? I'm gonna wait for Pete Holmes because that, that they're wrong and you're wrong is something I want to talk about. But go but ahead. But normally, continue. normally at these, you know, Gary Goldman. I, I had lunch today with Gary Goldman and he laughed. Now you could say Gary laughs at everything I said, and you'd yeah. probably be right. And he is biased in that regard. Dan, that's a terrible joke. So, anyways, how, so how did, it go, did it go from bad to worse? How was it? No, game? no. Well, well, then I just did my regular shit that always works. And but the uh, thing about a corporate gig is you can't do. Generally speaking, you got to be a little bit cleaner. Uh, not squeaky but clean, necessarily. But you're not a dirty comic. You're no, not a... but, you know, my joke about the uncle, the molesting uncle. The... You can't do that? I would hesitate to do that in that circumstance. That would have been fine. You could do it for, like, an FDNY. Uh, he only says right? that to, to, be, uh, to, be a good on, to be a good uncle, all you have to do is one thing. Right. Not, not, not molest you. That's, yeah. not, no, that's, that's, that's not. the premise, and then the joke's a little more com uh, Wait, but involved what, there. So but what happens at these no, gigs? Are people... Much, that's pretty much no, it. No, no, but, but that's not the best part of the joke. I just want to be clear. That's just the premise. Are people, like, eating dinner and you're... It's really about the whole joke. But go ahead. No, it's not about the whole oh, joke. Oh, God, drop it. <laughs> Go ahead, Kristen. Yeah, uh, they, were, they were just finishing their dessert at the time. Now, it does depend. Sometimes there usually is a dinner. And it's then, like a fundraiser of sorts. Sometimes a fundraiser, sometimes a get-together. Sometimes it's just a reward for the, the, the employees because okay. they've put in a good year and they've had a hell <laughs> of a third quarter. they get to see quarter. Dan Natterman. All right. Well, they get to see Dan Natterman <laughs> unless they want to spend real money, and then they can see somebody <laughs> with a name. <laughs> you know, they, I get paid what I get paid. For, for a nobody like me... That's not particularly famous. Who's, it, the, who's the name of the guy who, who won, came second in America's Got Talent? Tom Carter. That, he for gets more money, more, they, he get gets, they get Tom Carter. Well, yeah. they get Tom for more money. For more money, they might get 
you know, they might get an Artie Lang say if they want to spend $20,000, maybe to, to Pete, 40. Pete Holmes is here, Dan. How do you do, Pete? We're just finishing up a discussion. Now, we're talking about corporate gigs. Do you do corporate gigs? I do corporate gigs. And how do you find them? I know a lot of comedians, and I'm, I'm, I'm one of them. It's mono. Anyway. Um, find them a little bit up, uh, stressful because you're not allowed to say whatever you want. You've got to be a little cleaner, and you've got to be a little more politically correct. Whenever comedians talk about political gigs, uh, or political, sorry, uh, corporate gigs, you want to be candid and say that they're horrible, but you also want to keep booking them. So even as you were speaking, felt you'd be like, you know, they're a little bit difficult. They're a little tricky. You know, they're, they're well, fucking I terrible. Know, I don't think they're, they're nightmares. Well, I don't like think they're nightmares. I don't think they're nightmares because it's one and done. Tell, tell them your, your, tell, tell them your opening joke. Tell them your opening joke. I, I, well, if you insist. Yeah, tell, <laughs> tell them your opening sorry, joke. Sorry, by the way, I did an impression of you in like... 13 seconds of saying I'm so sorry. No, well, well, they say it's the sincerest form of flattery. It is, it is. You're such a type. You're Dan Natterman. Speaking of imitation, Dan has a great parrot joke. He's about to tell you. Just give me away the punchline. Have you learned nothing? No wonder she shouldn't be here. You just said the tell the death by Bamba joke. You know when people do that? Asshole. It's about a parrot? It's not going to make it any worse or better. I did it. I, my, the corporate gig I did was for an association of limo drivers, taxi drivers, and parrot transit. Do you know what parrot transit is? Parrot transit. No, that's the that's the joke. Parrot transit is is transportation for handicapped people. <laughs> I didn't mean to see it coming. I literally thought you said parrot transit. But that was the joke. I got up on stage and I said, "Good to be here at the limo, taxi, and parrot transit association." But I have a question: Why do parrots need their own transportation? That's good. Yeah, he oh, likes why it. is that good? My, grand, like my grandmother could have said that. Uh, no, no, that's true. And a computer would get it. That's really the problem that humans have with a joke like that, is a computer would understand it. Do you know what I mean? I guess. I'm not sure no, you know what explain, you mean by explain. the computer. <laughs> Thank you, no. Thank you. I couldn't have asked for a more vacant face from that. A computer understands wordplay. Oh, okay. You load that into a fax machine, it would be like, joke detected. You know what I mean? It would be like, paratransit sounds like paratransit. And humans typically don't like jokes like that, but I do. There you go. Humans typically don't, Dan. Yeah. You, you, you like so it. So give her a corporate, <laughs> corporate those, gig of It's Xeroxes. one of those jokes that's so corny it's good. All that's right? what I'm saying. Uh, no, so I listen. agree. So, so Dan said when you I were agree. here, he said, he, he, said, he said, they're wrong and you're wrong. No, they didn't uh, laugh heartily at the joke and neither did know him, and I said they're wrong. Well, no, I think here's the thing. I think they're wrong, but them. I disagree. Again, you're just trying to get booked for more corporates. They were wrong. Say it, Dan. In my mind, they were in wrong. my mind, they should have been more. Those um, dirty okay. bastards. I have no problem. They were very nice. I just did a court. Anytime I do a corporate, they always tell you to be PG, and I'm a, I'm a fairly clean comedian, meaning I like to swear, but no joke I tell hinges on a joke or a, or a body part or anything. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it should be easy to go up and clean it up, but then they don't like it. You're going up and you're just like, hey, energy drinks, those will wake you up, but they give you diarrhea, and like no one's laughing. Then the second you say ass. Or, or <laughs> shit. They, la they laugh. <laughs> Literally. I, I went to a Christian college, and it's the same as performing for Christians. If you flirt with something kind of you're not supposed to do, they love it. It's the same thing as doing a corporate. So one person, one older person probably on the board, is like, Dan Natterman can do the gig, but I don't want him to say motherfucker. Right. But if you did... Standing ovation. The response you wanted for parrot transit. Right. That is that is true. But even then, you do have to be a little bit more clean can, and can politically I, correct than at a club. Can I get... For sure. I'm going to ask you a question because yeah. I was having a conversation with the people doing the Patrice O'Neill documentary, and it kind of touched on this in a way. How many times and how many different audiences can you tell a joke to, have it not succeed, and still say the joke is good? Um, it's them. It's not. It's it's them. Um, I think there's no limit on that. You know, I will throw a joke away after three times oh, because, as a, as a practical matter, I don't want to bomb. No. But the, the, you know, but there are some jokes that I think are good. That your jokes are so good. I email you all the time, and I'll be like, I'm still that amazing joke you have about the you first do? half of the. I did. Oh, Look at our. Uh, you fucking ass. I'm trying to is, bless he, you and remember your your goodness. No, and but it you goes don't right email me you. all the time. You but emailed me several years every ago. Every time we've emailed, I'll include oh. Dan. I love that bit. I always think about that bit, and you'll be like, you know, I haven't done it. Probably because it didn't work two times, and, and I'm yeah. remembering it. You got to keep it alive. But but can a joke can a joke still be good if you can never get it to go over? I think what you do is you shelve it. I think you know it's probably more interesting. I want to know more what Dan says, but 
I have jokes that you don't have the performance chops to pull off or the full realization of your persona to pull off. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. people don't know where it couches inside of your greater being. So you're just a guy saying a joke, like Parrot Transit. But then if you shelve it for 10 years and then you find the perfect place. Have you ever had that happen? Like uh, a joke I, will I've return? I've had jokes that, that, that do come back. It's I've amazing. Had that, I've also had jokes that, like bad, that, that work and then stop working for somebody. That I can't not explain. But that's when you retire that and you bring it back. There's this but, weird glimmer in your eye. But no one is that, that, that asking a philosophical question, which is, what, the philosophical question being is, is uh, what is the marker of a good joke? If it's not working, by definition, it's not a good joke. Did, no. According to Noam, and, and, and... Well, that's not what you're saying. Is that what no, you're saying? No, that's his question. I... It's not what I'm saying, but I think there is something to that, unless you can come up with a, a better explanation but for why where? it's not going over. You know what I mean? It's like where. It's like that's why I actually think your joke, Parrot Transit. I wish it had worked. I can only do it when I'm performing for Parrot Transit. That's people. right. So therefore, they, and that's one situation is a great joke. And then, like you know, sometimes it's the wrong climate. Like I think we go through phases. We, you see it in the movies. Like oh, we're all, we're slanting towards female-driven stuff now. It's like guy-driven stuff now. It's like group stuff. I think audiences have that sort of sixth sense as well. And maybe it's time to shelve a joke and well, bring it back. I, when, I will say no. My, the taste I, I will changes. say that if look, if nobody likes the joke, I guess it'll be hard to argue that it's a good joke. I have seen comedians. Jokes, Paul, can I finish a thought here? I thought you. I thought. I thought no, I haven't. Was I was going to make an analogy. I, okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, most people under a certain age can't stomach Mozart. I know I can't, but uh, but I'm not going to. I wouldn't dare say he was. He was. It was bad music. I can't right. listen to it. Can you, Pete Holmes? I don't listen to Mozart, no, and no. I feel bad about it. But I don't like uh, a lot of great things. I don't like the Beatles, but I'm with you. I don't think they're bad. So so I wouldn't. I wouldn't have the temerity to you say Mozart stinks. <laughs> Because yeah. a lot of people do like Mozart. But that's the thing, man, is some people, the joke that, like, I have a joke right now. I, I've been wondering if I would ever do it here. And it's a very silly joke. It's kind of like your parrot transit joke. And I do it all the time, sometimes on the road, and it just won't work. And it's about how unicorns should be called unihorns. They have no corn. They have one horn. It's a very silly joke. It's kind of like, I love it. No, I'm glad you laughed. It's my favorite joke, and I do it very incredulously. There's a lot of performance to it. And a lot of times it doesn't work. And I completely get it. Sometimes that wasn't what they needed in that moment. But it's like fucking. It's like you don't know what the right time is to switch up a thing. And it doesn't mean that that was the wrong move with your lover. It just means you didn't do it in the right order. Or it wasn't the right mood. Or the music was wrong. Or the opener was wrong. I, I always got a feeling that paratransit joke no. is going to find its way into uh, <laughs> Pete Holmes' act. <laughs> I, I was hoping you were saying back into your act. I'm a good joke encourager. I like, I like doing that for people. I'll be like, you have that bit, you gotta yeah. bring it back. What, what I was gonna say, I see some comedians for years stick by the same joke, which I have yet to see get, get a laugh. And I don't understand what's going on in their brains. Like, like why don't they drop that joke? When are they gonna get it? Doesn't work. Here's a funny one, right? Uh, an illustration. John Mulaney, uh, dear, He's dear, a perfect example. No, uh, <laughs> always bombing that guy. Yeah. <laughs> dear friend of mine, he had this bit about Donald Trump. And he always said that Donald Trump was like a hobo's idea of what a rich person was. He's like, when my number comes in, I'm going to have built tall buildings with my name written in gold. You know what I mean? It's like a cartoon. And there was this one line in there where he goes, I'm going to have fine golden hair. Never got a laugh. I saw him all over the city. Fine golden hair. Never laugh, never laugh, never laugh. Probably only did it three times, but I saw every time he did it. And I said to him, I was like, John, that's the line. That's the line that there's a hook to it. There's music to that line. I always caught myself remembering fine golden hair. So he was like, all right. He kind of sounds like you, but up an octave. He's like, all right, I'll do it. I'll keep doing it. He does it on Conan. Fine golden hair all but an applause break. Like the biggest line of the routine. That's what I just talked about this with Atel and Todd Berry. We're products of our environment, but we have to be aware of other environments. If you're performing in the middle of like Gangbuster, you're following Louie and you know, going here and you do my stupid fucking unicorn joke, might not be the hot and heavy approach that they need for that moment. But if you're doing a late night spot where it's kind of fun to be cute, and you know what I mean? Like it's a little bit safer to be it's four o'clock in the afternoon for Christ's sakes. Nobody's drinking. They might enjoy fine golden hair a little bit more. Uh, at this point, like Donald Trump is not just a rich man. Like Donald Trump is almost like what a hobo imagines a rich man to be. <laughs> you know, it's like years ago, Trump was walking through an alley and he heard some guy just like, oh boy, oh boy. 
As soon as my number comes in, I'm gonna put up tall buildings with my name on them. I'll have fine golden hair. And a TV show where I fire people with my children. And Trump was like, that is how I will live my life. Thank you, hobo, for that life plan. I bet you when Donald Trump makes a decision, he thinks to himself, what would a cartoon rich person do? Put up billboards of my face everywhere. That's a good idea. And, and sometimes, uh, in a, I would imagine in a longer form thing, the line can still be entertaining. Doesn't need doesn't need a laugh right. to be memorable or part of the vibe of the whole. That thing. is brilliant. That yeah. really is a big thing. Is is I've I've had uh, people come to see me and I get off and I'm like, Jesus, that was terrible. And a lot of times they'll say the same thing, which was, <laughs> everyone was really enjoying it. But we want that. It's like if you're enjoying it, make a fucking sound. You well, know, you know crazy. I used to have this argument with my musicians. I don't know if it'd be interesting. I isolate sure. a band and. And I would always have this internal idea of whether something was good or not. And sometimes that wouldn't always match like an applause meter reading of the audience. And I would get in fights with the musicians, look, this really isn't good. I said, but they clapped. Yeah. They, they were clapping. And I said, well, you know, you can end any song with Ta -da. Like this, Ta -da, with your hands out yeah. and they'll clap. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that all the shit that came before it was, was so good. We know, we know. And sometimes people will truly enjoy something and you just have to feel that they enjoyed it. You can't always measure it. And, and, and Dan actually gets uh, upended sometimes when the audience doesn't laugh as loud as he wants them to. And I tell him, Dan, they loved you, you know? Yeah, there is a, there is a point. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Usually it's the opposite. <laughs> I think they loved me, and, and, and you were like, yeah, but Greer did better. Well, Greer always does better. <laughs> They're both, both not mutually exclusive, Dan. There's a comedic equivalent to what you're saying about music, which is the comedians that figure out the cadence and stuff. You know what I mean? Where you have a certain type of talking, and you know that I'm done. And people will laugh, and it's almost Pavlovian or something. Yeah, my father used to hate that. And then there's also what I, I call thank you very much humor, which is like where you tell, I'm sorry to keep saying parrot, parrot transit, but if you go, why do parrots need all their different types of transportation? I thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much becomes the joke. It becomes the final chord in a song, and the humor comes in. That's what he prepared, and we're kind of delighted by that. Uh, Pete Holmes' new show. And we, do, by the way, do you know Sean, Sean, Sean L. McCarthy? McCarthy? I'm the only one that calls him Sean L. I think that's funny. <laughs> Sean, you know, he's a black guy. Sean, Sean writes the comics comic. That's not offensive, Correct. is it? Sean, we'll and, get to him in a bit. Yeah, <laughs> that's but, what I said. And, and because you, you, you he's, I think he thinks he's not allowed to chime in. You are allowed to chime in. Well, I, I was waiting to be introduced. So he, he writes the Sean comics L. comic, McCarthy. which is a, a, a well-known uh, website dedicated. He's a comedy nerd. Yeah. Journalist. Con journalist. Mm. And <laughs> you went to you went to Princeton, right? For four years, yes. And uh, what well, you, I, you know, I had no idea you went to Princeton. Yes. And Suddenly impressed. Yeah. <laughs> Game changer. Which, For some reason, I was thinking, you know, certainly not Princeton. I don't know why. Actually, actually, to me, to be honest. <laughs> what air did I give off? It's weirder to me that you went to Princeton. Yeah. Like, like, obviously, anybody who comes out of Princeton is quite marketable. You could be making a lot of money doing right. something. And, well, true. and I, I'm not saying you're destitute, but I don't think the comics comic is paying you the kind of money that you could have been making at any job that you could print it on a resume, correct? correct. Is that but true? you'll love it. Well, I, I, I was a newspaper reporter for about 15 he years. He was a newspaper man. <laughs> because I graduated the final year that that seemed like a viable career. Which was oh, you're the 1993. Opposite, you're the opposite of an outlier. Yeah. You're an in-liar. You, you, you graduated right when it was the least relevant. No, he, he means right, right when uh, uh, the, the internet began to overtake yeah. publishing. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. If I had graduated two years later, the the web would have been a thing, and I would have realized, oh, I should be doing that instead. Right. Interesting. But, you know, there's still a, a way to do it. You do it online. So that's what I'm doing. Let's get more into that later and talk about Pete's show. <laughs> <No>. so, <anyway. laughs> but I, I do find it. So the whole, I'm going to get back to it, but the whole right. community of people who were in love with stand-up comedy and, and hang on every comedian... It fascinates me, and, and and I don't get it at all. And I, I no, I, I truly don't like people. But you're thankful for it. That's not the majority of the crowd that comes to the comedy cellar. Ninety-five percent of the comedy cellar crowd are not what you're just describing. They're no, tourists. that's not true. I think that's changing. That is not well, true. And, at and, all. and I was coming around. Isn't so, it? I don't. Well, look, I didn't. I don't do a poll when they when they come out of the door. <laughs> but my sense is a lot of them are maybe weekend casual, shows. Guys, casual but, but comedy. But I had people. an actual segue here, Dan. Yeah, actually, I'm sorry. Wait. So do you is know? Is it about Mozart? But no. But but <laughs> the, but the guy who also was like that apparently growing up was Judd Apatow. Now there's a segue. Who at a at a young age was yeah. going around interviewing comedians. 
transcribing bits off TV, Saturday Night Live bits, because yeah. he thought he might never be able to see them again. There was no VCRs, no anything like that, right? Sure. He was one of the pioneer comedy nerds. Like, like, so, so he's like a kindred spirit to you. So, if you have a movie pitch in the year 2030, please let me know. Okay. And 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 now Judd is producing uh, a new uh, pilot for HBO featuring Pete Holmes. That's right. And, I, and I want to ask you about. Guys, I want to tell you one thing that you don't know. So Judd Apatow was right here. Yeah. And Dan Natterman on his phone. Yeah. He, he Google's a picture and he shows. He says. Louis B. Mayer. Now that's a producer. <laughs> that's you did this to this guy? Did you really do that? He really did. Yes, but that, what, now that's a producer. what I meant by that is that he was a big fat Jew with a cigar in his mouth. And to me, that's a producer. Louis, now that's a producer, he said. Anyway, so, so tell us You're about, going by the Looney Tunes standard. I'm going by the standard that's yeah, typical. Exactly. I'm making a motion picture. Yeah, yeah. John Apatow in his whole life has never said, I'm making a picture. <laughs> If, if the world were what your voice sounded like, he would act that way. Right. <laughs> It'd be he, John Apatow is a very nice guy that never had the decency to have sex with a, with a leading lady. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's so respectful of women. He's a very sweet man, good father. I mean, father. what the hell kind of producer is good this guy, friend. anyway? No, go ahead. Tell, how, how, did, how did this show come about, and what's it about? Well, he's married to a leading lady. He is married yeah, to but a he leading never, lady. <laughs> Shut up, everybody. Just the one. But he's probably up. very respectful when he asked her out. <laughs> Next. <laughs> how did the show come about? I had a, uh, a talk show on TBS, and it was canceled months before it was announced. So I knew it was going to be taken off. Yo, scoop. Exclusive. What was it called? <laughs> the Pete Holmes Show. Oh, right. I'm talking like you. It's just fun. It is fun. Every time I get nothing from you. Anyway, <laughs> you give me nothing. Anyway, I had a show called The Pete Holmes Show. It was on after Conan. And it was wonderful. And uh, we found out that we weren't coming back. Uh, I, you know, we could talk about that. But anyway, I we kind of hit the ground running. So before the show was even off the air, I had this other idea that I, I came up with around that time. I think the trauma of the show getting uh, canceled actually fueled my creativity a little bit. Where I was like, all right, well, what am I gonna do now? So the show's still on the air. I think that's kind of a fun part of the story. I realized what is, you know, cancer diagnosis, you only have five years to live. What is the show that you would really like to make? Yeah, the cancer like, diagnosis is not is that, that that's you're making not the that show. Up. I'm just saying that's like, the movie Funny People. By yeah, Jedi. right. <laughs> it's not cancer. It's a rare blood disease. But yes, uh, <laughs> Avatar nerd. <laughs> but the idea, you know, what is the story? Everybody probably has one really great story that they that they're kind of made to tell. And I feel like mine was about being a, a religious kid, got married to the first person I ever dated, ever slept with, all that sort of stuff. Got married when I was 22. Had sex with her before you got married? We did. That's a good question. We did, but that was very kind of like hush-hush. You know what I mean? I will say the first time she went down on me, this is completely true, we knew we were going to get married. That was like our engagement blowjob. It's completely <laughs> real. There, there was no ring. I'm, I'm telling you, she went down on me, and I swear I was like, I got to call a caterer. It sounds like a bit. We started looking for places, because I was like, you don't do that unless you're going to marry the person. How old are you? I'm, I'm 36 now. How now. old were you? I was 22. When she blew me, I was probably 21. And she was... Uh, she was 23. Oh, it's older than Yeah, you. yeah, so a little bit older. She had actually been with other people. So anyway, uh, we get married. Six years later, very sweet, very safe, very, like, loving. We were good friends. Very... People are always... I, I kind of get offended on behalf of my comedian brethren. People are always like, oh, she probably... Because we got split. She probably left you because you were always out working the clubs and all that stuff. And it wasn't that at all. We just weren't quite right for each other. I was, a, I was like a baby boy, you know what I mean? I was very naive, very, very sweet. So she ends up having an affair, and that's where the show starts. With somebody you knew? I did know the guy, yeah. Uh, she, was a, she, yeah she was a teacher, and she fell in love with this other teacher guy. So the show is a riff on these true events, but it's certainly different. I have to say that. But it takes place <laughs> in the comedy world. But yeah, well, so here's the, if I, if, that's kind of the long explanation, but the short explanation is, I just got divorced. We're all playing kind of like regressed versions of ourselves, if it's convenient, meaning I'm an open micer. So my wife leaves me, and I'm living upstate, and once, uh, once she leaves me, I have nowhere to stay, so every episode is me staying on the couch of a different comedian. So every episode would be like, Crashing, it's called Crashing. Dan Natterman would be like the name of the episode. You know what I'm saying? And the comedians are going to play themselves? Comedians play themselves. Everybody plays themselves. Does it explore the world of stand-up? Yeah, I, I actually think, I'm pretty excited, excited to think that we might be the first people to show that 
process of open micing to barking to bringers and and to like paying your dues and your first road gigs and all that. I'm sort very of glad, stuff. by the way, that this show is not being called Poems because there's just too many damn shows <laughs> that with the puns. name of the comics. <laughs> Louis Marin, <laughs> was it Mulaney when yeah, he had his Mulaney? And, and it was the Pete Holmes show. So you're absolutely right. This one's called Crashing. Now, how many shows? Now here, there's another question. Is there's now so many shows about the world of stand-up comedy, different aspects of the world of stand-up comedy, but you know you had well, Mulaney was about a stand-up comic. Barely. Does anyone know that? I don't know. I'm, I not, even, I'm not even fooling around with you. That show opened with yeah. him doing stand-up right. as himself in front of the set, and then it was loosely alluded to the fact that he did stand-up. He was a comedy writer on that show. Okay. Well, then right. there's but Louis is a comic. Marin is. Louis is absolutely the number one. Like, when you pitched the show, and when I pitched the show, you basically had to tell people why it wasn't Louis. Louis, yeah. Yeah. But how many shows about stand-ups uh, can, 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 can the public support? Or, or I can answer that, Dan. Yeah, go as, ahead. As many as, many as, as are funny. Yeah. <laughs> ah, good true. answer. How many sitcoms can we do about a married couple and their kids? Yeah. How many can people, they can stand as many as they work. How many cop shows can we have? How I many really, shows about cops? That's right. I don't think this show, comedy is in the background mm -hmm. of this show. It really is about, a. Uh, it's a coming of age story. I know people say that a lot. But I was a very, very naive person. And these characters that we're having on the show are actually the people that taught me a lot about not just comedy, but how to like be a grown person. So it's kind of fun and, and very surreal to cast some of those people in these roles. I mean, it's a, it's a jumping off point that you're a comedian or whatever it is, but it, this, want each a, show is special in its own way. You want a job where you don't want to be like, why isn't he at work? You know what I mean? Like, And you don't want to see me just doing some mundane thing necessarily. I think people have a pretty big stomach for, like, Family Guy. Like, what does Peter Griffin do? You know what I mean? Like, we don't know. It's just a funny show. So the show, does it, the show puts comedy in the background, but comedians are in the foreground. Absolutely. I would say first, you know, we haven't made it, so I kind of have to and, see and what And that's happens. actually unique. Like, you could take, you could have made Seinfeld not a comedian, taken out the, the seasons where he started with stand-up comedy, yeah. and the show would not have been it, one scintilla less uh, effective. I think he could have been a writer or something. I, you know, it anything. helped that they were in, you know, Costanza in the pilot was a stand-up as well. Oh. It's never referenced, but that was how it was written, it? yeah. And isn't, it, isn't Gerard Carmichael's show, isn't Gerard a stand-up, but it's never so. referenced I, I think Oh, that is that what it is? I've, I've watched two episodes, I, I don't know what he does. Right. Is yeah. it called Carmichael or, Char or Gerard? It's called Carmichael Show. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> they really just, they've given but up. But it's all about yeah. his home life. Yeah, it was the Lucille Ball show, it was the Jack Benny show, this is Seinfeld, not new. Cosby. Yeah, but then there was a period where that stopped. Wings. And, and they've also given up on the TV theme song. Mary Tyler Moore. They've, they've given up on, on... There's no time. That's the, There used the to be more the time. Theme song, the theme song used to be, it was, this was, uh, you know, great music. Mm. Great yeah. music? Great music. <laughs> <laughs> you remember, you remember, you remember uh, but you remember the Dallas <laughs> theme song? <laughs> <laughs> That's not. That was not one of the great. This is like when Chappelle. This is like when Chappelle does two hours on stage. Around the ninety-minute mark, he just sits down, smokes a cigarette, and goes, "Remember theme songs?" And just have people sing one. Does he have a theme song bit? I've I've literally seen him go like, "What's your favorite cereal?" Talk about that for twenty minutes. I'm not shitting on him. Even his Chappelle show. But now a theme song. There's no theme song. Yeah, there's no time. They don't want to give up time. Louis like. Louis for a There's while more cut out the whole um, one season comedy seller. No, more than one season cut out the whole comedy seller intro to the show. Yeah, and I kind of actually felt that it was going to happen because it's 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 usable time. Why does he want to devote it to it? Well, if you look at the Simpsons, when the Simpsons came out in like 1994 or whatever it was, there was the long intro. There were the several gags. Right. There was the chalkboard gag, and there was you know the different things. And now, uh, if you watch the Simpsons, it go, just goes through the pee, and Homer's running into the house. Well, I, you, no you know, it gives up time, but it, you know, and I it, mean, and it, they had more commercials already. The Cheers theme song, and that was like and a, fewer episodes, fewer fewer episodes in a season. Yeah. So the the Cheers theme song was a great song. Cheers, that, yeah. that really enhanced the brand. Mary Tyler Moore was a great theme. Theme, a lot of great themes. Oh, we there. agree. I think you know what we need to do is go back to your streaming idea, where there is no, you know what I mean? I, like, there's such an appeal to going to a streaming thing because you can have like a 33-minute episode because there's no syndication. Just to get the theme song. There, and you could have a four-minute theme song. You could have Dan Hatterman talking about theme songs for five minutes if you uh, want. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, when it came out, everybody yeah. raved about the theme song. Yep. Well, Daredevil. Great opening sequence. Shows one that one are on uh, um, like HBO and stuff, they can have theme songs right. because so, the, so there's no commercials. So you have, you do, you know, like you Homeland has, you know, Game that has Thrones. like a very, they don't Game Walking Dead. 
I mean, that has commercials, I but you know, there are still some. You got True Detective was a great. True Detective, yeah, great one. Sopranos, November. Sopranos had a great. Yeah. Yeah, but you fast forward. So Once you are, see the guy with the axe, you press play. So where are we? You've <laughs> you got are a, correct. You've got a pilot. The pilot is, is you know being the, made. You know, it's just they really don't have any idea if it's going to work or if it's not going to work. Yeah, you hear stuff and like I that. I don't know that I would do any better. There was a there was a TV movie about I forgot what it was called where they hired a monkey. To, to, to decide whether the pilot gets picked up or not. Like, they found out a monkey, they put a monkey in front of the TV, and if he clapped really loud, they knew that they should pick it up. Yikes. I, I gotta look that up. And, and well, you, you, know, you think that's what it really was like? Sorry. <laughs> it's interesting, though. I don't think it's that far off. It's like when, you, when Malcolm Gladwell writes about the guy, uh, there was a therapist that could predict whether or not people would get divorced with like an 80, 90% accuracy. He was like, but it's a 50-50 call. You know what I mean? So you're only doing... So the monkey is kind of going like, yeah, no, yeah, no. It probably is, yeah, no, yeah, no. I, I think there are certain people, just like, you know, Ohio, is it Ohio? There's some states which are somehow have a certain sensibility which always seems to represent bellwether. the population. The bellwethers. I think bellwether, they are, I think bellwether, I guess so. But um, I don't know what it, if so, I said it made so sense. There, there are certain <laughs> people, who I believe, if it entertains them, they reverberate in a Maybe certain an way, and they, can kind of, and they can kind of say, listen, if I like this, it, it's probably 80% of the country is going to like it. Right. And That's you have to just find those people. Why For the life of me, that? by the way, I can't find that TV pilot about the monkey, the oh big pilot. God. It might have been a false memory uh, that was implanted by uh, Mia Farrow. By a, by a monkey. <laughs> I was reading in a, a, a... We lost you for five minutes just to come <laughs> back. Like, we're like, we're I'm pretty we're sure. Used to it here. I'm pretty oh, sure God. that... No, but I was trying to find that pilot. I'm pretty sure I didn't dream it. I was reading... I, no, I think what you were thinking about was a st stock market, picking stocks. No, I'm pretty sure it was TV pilots. Um, but if I, anybody knows what I'm talking about, feel free to tweet. I was reading today in, in a Beatles book. Apparently, Brian Epstein, you know, the guy, the, the Jew who discovered the Beatles? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, he, uh, he, he owned record stores, and he would hear a song on the radio, and he would buy a 1,000 copies of the record when people who would work for him say, what are you buying? And they said that it, uh, reliably, any song that he liked would become a huge hit, and he quickly became the most successful record store in England. He, that's he sixth sense. That, he just that knew instinct, he, yeah. But what else could it be except he liked that song? But they're asking, yeah. there's, that's... Again, well, it's interesting. I wonder what you think as a club owner and, and having your hand in all this. There's a, there's an art to the to the watching and the appreciating and going, this guy feels right here and this person does. It's not just like, man, this guy's not getting laughs. You know what I mean? I don't know. You know, like we were talking <laughs> yeah. to Eddie. We were, well, we were talking to Eddie Brill. Was it last week or two, yeah, weeks, ago? two weeks ago? And he was talking about all the things that are going into choosing the comedian for the Letterman show, what's right for them. And I'm like... And I said, you know, you could just put an applause meter down there. If you just booked <laughs> the comedians who get the highest score on the applause meter, yeah. you probably would not do badly booking the Letterman show. I, I, I mean, you know, I, I can't say there's enough. I, mean, I would like every one of them, but... It's, it's a little bit off topic. Late night television would change if people did what Leno did, and I did on my talk show, which is, and I believe Seth Meyers does it. And I believe I told Seth Meyers to do it. I don't know if it's why he did it. But I was like, if I can tell you one thing to do on your late night show, tell the band to take five before the comic comes out during the commercial break. There's a built-in time. If there's a stand-up, come out. And I used to do this speech, and I was like, hey, my friend Dan Adderman is on the show. He's going to come out. Please. It's going to be weird that another person is coming out and standing on my mark and telling jokes. It's going to seem like a foreign body and you're going to release antibodies and it's going to feel unnatural. He doesn't have time to win you over. Laugh at his first joke. Make him feel welcome. Make this the show that comedians want to come on. Go nuts like he's your favorite when he walks out. You wouldn't. There wasn't a comedian that had a bad set on my show. So to your point, better than an applause meter, some sort of buffer. It's like the weirdest thing to airdrop into a late night show. You're talking to Bono, then you're talking to like the guy, the new Blade, and then all of a sudden right. you're like, ladies and gentlemen, David Tell, like what the fuck? And he doesn't come out to the couch, and he right. walks out, no, yeah, yeah. and there's like old ladies from Iowa City. You are absolutely right. Just tell them it's okay to laugh, and it's so much better. Watch Seth Meyers, I'm pretty sure Seth does it. Those comedians, I'm gonna say it's 60% better than if no one did that. Yeah. And Leno too. Ralphie Mae got huge standing ovations. I think it has something to do with the fact that Leno would come out and be like, hey, these guys, uh, these are my friends and I'm a comedian. Yeah. Couldn't pass that one up. <laughs> <laughs> Doing Natterman to Natterman, I hope. I, Jay, I, you're I, listening. I think, you know, it, it's analogous. Sometimes a, a, some, some uh, band will be doing a lot of rock songs <laughs> and then they just do a ballad 
and it goes over, but, but it's some like seasoned performer, like a spring scene or something, he will set up a song. He'll come, he'll talk to the audience, yeah. explain it, and, and create, a, create an, an interest in the audience, <laughs> an expectation. That's oh, right. let's, let's, let's perk up, let's, let's get on tippy toes, that's as right. it were, right. and pay attention to what's about to happen. It's like a ball game if you know that the doing. pitcher and the batter hate each other, you know what I mean? Like it's so much more captivating. What? A little bit oh, of a yeah, backstory. That's right, yeah, that's right. Give like them, just, just make them want to make them, yeah. because otherwise they can tune it out or not pay attention. Yeah, I, I agree with you. But I, what, what's that? John L. McCarthy. Uh, Sean McCarthy. So listen, what's the, what about the Jeffrey Gurry and Sean McCarthy feud? I want to know Is about that. Is there one? Is there one? There, there, there better be, isn't there one? <laughs> Uh, Don't you tread on the same uh, no. turf? But there, there's a few. No. Um, just to review, Sean. You, do you know Jeffrey Gurian? I do. Have just you been, been interviewed by him or something? I have. I am extremely angry with that guy, but go ahead. Well, maybe we should <laughs> so have you him. have a few. Well, maybe we should have him on to discuss it. Oh, I, well, no, no. But, no. But you just, have a few, and you want to just to review? There's a me. Yeah, he wants you to give him a platform to discuss <laughs> the feud. Comedy doesn't have any really <laughs> prestigious. Media, like you know, in the world of music, you have Spin, you have Rolling Stone, yeah, you uh, have Billboard, Billboard magazine. Billboard magazine. Know Comedy has a, a a patchwork of blogs and and leaflets and pamphlets, and and <laughs> right, you know, when, when and, and McCarthy has made, is one of them. It's called the Comics Comic. <laughs> that was a great <laughs> intro. <laughs> Part of the Comedy uh, is like a hobo soup <laughs> of bullshit. Well, but, it is. It's not... but he's the big boot in the middle. <laughs> but, but I don't even think that's true. AV Club is huge. Uh, who else? Uh, yourself. Uh... Well, what is AV Club? Is that? But that's not a comedy news that's outlet. The that's, the, that's the Onions. The Onions Arts Review. Entertainment. Podmas, Damn, all that these was things. really funny. Yeah. <laughs> in a world of flyers, he's a glossy one. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I'm just saying, but it's true. We don't have a Rolling Stone. We but, don't have a spin. Buzzfeed. Do we or do we not? Yeah, Buzzfeed. Well, now, now we have every every magazine website trots out its own variation on comedy. comedy yeah. And what I was going to say, but nobody let me finish. Oh, really? Is that here to break the mold and 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 bring comedy Launch. into respectability? Is Mr. Sean? I call him Red Fleece McCarthy. He <laughs> For once, that one time I wore a red fleece. One time fleece. he wore a red fleece, and the whole night I was going. Red fleece. Some say he still he still he still haunts these woods. <laughs> I made him to a folk hero. But anyway, well, Dan, I want to let you finish, but you have to finish. I'm finished. Okay. You bring up you bring up a very a very valid, valid and personal point for me. When I moved here from I was in Boston beforehand at the Boston Herald, and at the time in 2005, a tabloid. Both the both the Boston Herald tabloid and the it's Boston Globe broadsheet doesn't fold in the middle. Both the Globe and the Herald had <laughs> weekly comedy columns. So it was a rare thing WCCs. to see the newspapers cover comedy on a, on a weekly basis in the newspaper. When I moved to New York, there, there really wasn't any of, the, any of the thing. And I went to Entertainment Weekly. I went to Comedy Central. I tried, I tried to plead a case to these people that, that comedy deserved to be covered the same way you covered up-and-coming bands. Al-Qaeda. The, no. next, the, next, the next hot Other band. types of bombs. <laughs> like, Entertainment <laughs> Weekly is willing to go to all these film festivals and cover these independent films right. or these bands at South by Southwest. I want, I want, I want to hear the, the, yes. uh, some, some stories about comedians now. Okay. Um, and Jeffrey Gurian. How, and Je what do you want to know about Pete Holmes? Well, first of all, well, well, first of all I was very impressed. If I could just finish my thought. Oh, my God. I know it's a little what bit. Is this you're right, Pete, and you're absolutely correct. You've it's hit upon something very for important. Dan. That's what it is. It's, it's, it, you know, dance therapy session. Uh, unfortunately, democracy does not work in a podcasting context. <laughs> How can we help? And you there has to be a dictator. How can Pete and I service you? Well, <laughs> I don't know that you can service me, but 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 the thing is, is Sean McCarthy being friends with all the comics? Sean L. Sean L. Sean L. You yeah, know, you. he has a tendency maybe to to be a little too nice in his articles, but he took. Um, it is hard uh, to be mean. It's hard to be mean, but he what he did face down. Uh, we had him on a show. What the hell is his name? Oh, uh, this is great. Uh, Ari, 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 Ari Shapir. Shapir. Ari Shapir. Oh, because he was mean to that girl. Because he was mean to that. Right. And, and so in what no happened? Tell us what happened. What happened with Ari Shapir? Yeah, in no uncertain terms, said Shapir is a no good nick. <laughs> well, it was just unnecessary meanness and cruelty to to lash out at at another comedian in a special. In a special kind of. What For no doing? reason, he had a bit where he was talking about a girl being a whore or something. And then ugly he said, and an ugly, fat, fat. An ugly fat. Like, uh, basically, just... someone's an ugly fat whore. We don't have it quite right. And I'm talking like Natamin again. It's very contagious. <laughs> but then he says her name for no reason. And even if there is a joke, the joke is, I didn't have to say her name, but I did. Right. So then, of course, it was And you took him to unkind. task? Yeah, Sean, I did. I, I, I thought it was very unnecessary. And, and, and Comedy Central didn't have to air it. And... 
Yeah, you know, at that point, you might even want to just cut it out. Right. It's a six-second edit. Now, I, I want to ask a question. You, you compare comedy to music. What is it about stand-up comedy which makes you feel that it's an art form, like right up there with the Beatles and things like that? You remind that, me you, of a talent, all these guys. You're one of those guys that's kind of like... I smell it. I smell it everywhere, and I'm not buying it. Why? What makes this? A, I'm going to go on stage in 20 minutes and be like, my dick has one eye. He's got no depth perception. Exactly. And you're in the back like, Picasso, you are not. <laughs> so you're looking for it. Uh, you're looking. No, it's great. Well, there, are, there is this subset of people like like who is default. Listen, he gave up Princeton. To write about yes. comedians. Well, you, first of all, you're you're exaggerating. A lot of I know a lot of people that went to Yale, just, Princeton. Just go that with it. Then. Make a living. No, just, but what you're just, saying is patently false. Fucking right go with Hamilton. it. It's patently false. People Gosh. that go to Princeton, if they don't, if they're majoring in, in liberal arts, they may not get any job. But but certainly plenty of my plenty of my classmates went to Wall Street or he could yeah if you want to go to Wall Street sure you can make money Dan please for the love of God just shut up for a second okay (laughs) he he has an Ivy League degree so do I couldn't do anything with my my first job and and you love comedy so much right obviously and you live it that you want to live and breathe it and you hold the the artists that you cover on the highest level with the great artists of, of every art, correct? Am I correct? Comedians are saying the things that regular people wish they could say out loud. Or sometimes are unwilling to look you at the power world transit? in real Not real people don't want to say <laughs> <laughs> Some but, comedians. But seriously, folks. I mean, have you ever thought about this philosophically? Do you... Do you, do you, do you I, am, I would rather hang around comedians than civilians or regular people because... They don't like that when you say that. Because... Because comedians are willing to look at the world and and talk about it. Yeah, that is. I mean, I would. I com, I'm completely an art person. Absolutely. I think there's a deep art in dick jokes. I really do. Well, a good if dick you, joke. There would be sure. <laughs> I think I there's agree. something unspoken, Freudian, terrifying, neurosis building. Uh, it's right. There's an undercurrent of the, all this stuff. Dick. Envy and shit and women and inferiority and when a good comedian gets up there and like tears that down with satire and with filth, I think that's gorgeous. I think that really is the stuff. It's of art. cathartic. You know, this is this is my issue with it. I, I always think about this, like Beethoven's Symphony or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is this exists on a page and it's clearly genius, right? I mean, any anybody knows like that nobody could do this. But I, what I do notice in stand-up comedy is that quite often. It's not apparent that somebody is a genius until after they become famous. Like, That's interesting. A, a, like, like uh, I don't want to say any names, but there are people down there. Like we, we, we used to see them every day. Oh, they're funny. They're, not that like we thought they sucked. And then all of a sudden, right. they become huge. And in retrospect, oh, they're, they're geniuses. But yeah. if they're geniuses like a Beethoven, why? Like when you see real genius in music or in, in a painting... You well, don't need well, to those be are, told. Those are prodigies. So, so those are prodigies. Is there is there any comedian that you that you feel that you could take their act, show it to someone who's never heard of them, and somebody could identify? No, no, that's that's special. That's genius. That's as that's as different from Pryor. everyone else's comedy. Pryor's one. For is, sure. Are there others? Chappelle. I think, and Chappelle is like one of the, he's one of our Beethovens. Can you separate Chappelle's uh, persona from his material? I think so. I think you can see it. There's there's a there's a shimmer that certain people have, and I used to hate when people said that because I would bark at the Boston. Remember the Boston? Yeah. People would always come around and be like, "This is where Chappelle started." You could just tell. You could just tell. And I was there, and I thought I was great. Nobody was saying that I was great, and I was like, "You motherfuckers, I, you're, uh, all, you're all gonna say that shit when I blow up." Too. I, I have to say that, that Chappelle was one of the biggest impacts the first time he took the stage. I mean, he was like 19 when he first came down here yeah. and everybody was buzzing So he'd been doing it for yeah. 10 years. <laughs> Probably. So, so Chappelle is a good example. Yeah. And, and sometimes asking questions not because I don't want the question to for you to infer any meaning You know what I think? I mean, yeah. what I, who I think is, is, is you know, if there is genius in stand-up and I, I don't know if there is but I think that Rick Shapiro um, approaches it and he was downstairs the last time he was here, and he couldn't buy a laugh. Well, then there, that's there's an true. example of somebody that couldn't buy a laugh here, and yet I think is brilliant. 
Um, what do you think of Rick Shapiro? I know what you're talking about. I haven't seen Rick enough to comment on that, but right. I do think... What does the comics comment think of Rick Shapiro? I haven't seen Rick seen in years. His, we've seen his dick. S somebody yeah. with a slight mental illness who has the <laughs> no, good, no. good sense to, to do it on stage, I wouldn't call that genius. But you know, I, I you, you to... look at it as mental illness, but you don't get it. <laughs> and most doctors would I agree. Mean, most... You know, well, he it, might be mentally ill. Slight, I said slight. But, he's but, got, but, but there's brilliance to what he's saying, and it's completely unique and different. Yes, it is and, unique and different. And I think it's, it's, it's real art. Uh, I, and you're Mar talking about fine art, too. Sorry to interrupt, but I really no. think we're making a distinction. When, when you look at an abstract painting, which is probably a little bit more like what stand-up is, you know, uh, and then you look at something that's like photorealistic, it's very easy, and I'm with you, to say, well, this one is clearly art. Anyone would agree. You could take a time-traveling caveman and show it to him, and he'd be like, oh, my God, that is, that is impossible to do. How did you do that? But difficulty, this is why people don't like photography. You know what I mean? I take a, a photo of you and I put a nice filter on it and it looks gorgeous. Is that art? We don't like it because I just pushed a button. Right. But stand-up is also kind of in one of those ethereal areas where I'm really just going up and speaking and saying these things that I've prepared on one level, but on another level, and as a musician, I think you can appreciate, you're building, and I shouldn't be talking this way beforehand, it's actually a superstition of mine, I'm gonna bomb tonight, where you're <laughs> trying to build an experience. It's, it's a little bit like uh, love making. You're, you're feeling that energy and you're giving your energy and there's this flow and a group of people become an audience and a performer and an audience become a show and that is a really difficult thing to do. I know so many genius great writers that can't do it as stand-ups. I know stand-ups that don't have any discernible jokes. They're kind of like our Pollux that can destroy. I've seen Godfrey downstairs just bullshitting and destroying because he has this weird X factor going on. You know what I'm saying? So I think we need to get or maybe one option is to get a little bit looser in how we define art, because it doesn't have to be the perfect comedian that goes up one-liner, <gasps> knocks him on their asses, musical cue, rips off the costume, you know, like, holy shit, that was Blue Man Group, you know what I mean? That's easier to say that was a work of art, but I really think that, you know, great comedy can be art. So I have an eye telephone. I have an eye telephone. <laughs> Thank you. Which means I have Google on my phone. I'm guessing a lot of you do. I have Google on my phone now. And it's ruining our lives. I don't know if you've noticed, it's ruining life. Because we know everything. <laughs> but we're not a lick smarter for it. We just know. You don't know something, wait two seconds. You will know. Having Google on your phone is like having a drunk know-it-all in your pocket. There's no time for mystery or wonder. You're just like, how do they make glass? <laughs> and you know. But the time between not knowing and knowing is so brief that knowing feels exactly like not knowing. So life is meaningless. I've literally been in bed in the morning alone, just like, where's Tom Petty from? <sighs> but I feel nothing because there was no time to not know listen to me there was a time and I don't mean to get all Andy Rooney on ya but there was a time that if you didn't know where Tom Petty was from you just didn't know <laughs> And you felt that yearning and that deficit in your being. And you'd go around and ask actual people. Like, where's Tom Petty from? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And now I'm impregnated with wonder. And then they go and ask people. Until one fateful day, you see a girl wearing a Heartbreakers t-shirt. You rush up to her and you're like, hey, where's Tom Petty from? And she tells you, Florida and a wave of endorphins and pleasure and meaning would wash over you and you felt something and that's how you met your wife. Do you understand? Your wedding song was Refugee. Thank you very much, everybody. Good night, thank you. I think it clearly is art. I just, I just find it a hard field to uh, really determine who are the if, if genius is a kind of an outlier in a population, who yeah. are the Michael Jordan? It seems hard because you can only you only be able to tell in retrospect. Like, we always knew Louis was a great comic, but we didn't realize he was a genius until he was writing screenplays and and and, yeah. and characters and subtle things and coming but around. But then also, you know, 
Louis adapted and changed. Like, Amy is an amazing comedian, but she's the same comedian she was 10 years ago, and that's to say she was great 10 years ago. So what happened? A lot of things happened. What a resurgence I, of interest in feminism or what a I think she's trying. What I think in, Noam is trying to say is, is, is there a Beatles in stand-up comedy? Is there a Rolling Stones? Yeah, but what happened People that the, are so head and shoulders, like, so... Like, what do you, the, the Beatles what, have 100 hits and the... Well, uh, Woody Allen writing crimes and misdemeanors? Yeah. That, I, I get it. Like, that, who could do that? But I'm also, but what I'm saying is there's a time and a place and a season for these things. So Woody Allen or the Beatles doing those things in that time, in that place. My point about Amy was she was doing this type of act 10 but years But no one's going to compare Can I tell Amy? you the other problem? And then the zeitgeist catches up, and then we find our person to hang it on. You I'm going to tell mean? you another problem, and this might be my own thing. We all have friends that crack us up. Crack us up more than, like, we could be hysterical laughing at just some right. some friend of ours who's being hysterically funny so you so you it seems ordinary like you so you don't you don't respect the ability to make you laugh but in that's, the same way but, i don't have a friend that's what robert, who can sing like stevie wonder who's never done it before like but that's what robert klein said is a great quote he goes there's a big difference between being funny and like with your friends or being funny at eight o'clock on saturday but well, you know what having hung yeah. out with a lot of comedians and a lot of non-comedians the good comedians yeah. can entertain you off stage in a way that no non-comedian can touch I've never seen a non-comedian that is as that is anywhere near as entertaining as Tracy Morgan off stage, well, for example. A, but the, but <laughs> well, now you're talking about outlier's again. Uh, oh even Sherrod Small, yeah. even uh, off stage. I think the Keith funniest Robinson thing. off stage. Let's go down the list. There's some some, some people that aren't that people? entertaining. I'll get to the white people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would mention myself, but you say it was self-serving. <laughs> that was you, that was clever, <laughs> <then>. <laughs> You know, but. Um, Dan yeah, Kevin Brannon is I a lot of fun. David Tell off stage is great. Um, David Tell off stage is tremendous. <laughs> I love David Tell, but who spent more than ninety seconds with yeah. him? Those, but the hell of a ninety seconds. <laughs> Before yeah. he gets uncomfortable you know, I and just walks don't, away. I don't. My my non-comedian friends, nobody can can touch people that I've just mentioned but off again, stage. But you're speaking to what Pete is saying about you're in a certain environment when you hang out with them. It's the energy and he, you know, hanging out with people at this table. The reason why this show is the show it is. I hang out with Dub David off anywhere, and I'm going to get entertained. All right. I hang out with Tracy Morgan. You are such a weird man. I really enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that weird? And now now you've just said why there's... I didn't think what you said was weird. I just really... And I do mean it when I say I enjoyed it. You were like, I'm going to get entertained. Like, legitimately a little angry. Well, I have something, don't I, Pete? That's unique. You do! but why, I, no, well, uh, why can you ask Judge just one favor? Judge, sure. Put Dan, give him a part. No, no fooling. He loves you, and he goes, Natterman's great because you just don't. Where do you see that guy? Didn't Natterman's been read, and we, we don't even know if we're going to use Natterman. You're great. Oh my God, you would make me so happy. My heart would soar well, like look, a hawk. But if you could yeah, use Dan but Dan Natterman. was like, you never see that guy, and it had nothing to do with your audition or not your audition. He was—he's always been interested. I can't say about the pilot, but he, I know he loves you. That, that well, that you know, know that's okay. appreciated. Did he tell you that when Judd was on the show, Dan got mad, had a hissy fit, and walked yeah, off? Yeah, I saw that. Because Judd well, that's correct. That. I'll just to review. Dan, can you let him answer? <laughs> did, well, did Judd bring that up? <laughs> I believe he did mention that to me <laughs> when I told him I was doing it. Here was the thing. And no. he said he thought it was a bit. That's why no, he, he told me. Here's the thing. This is what happened. It no, wasn't, it wasn't no, a bit. No one, regards, no one regards this radio show as maybe his 30th priority. Uh, he's got his family. He's got his businesses. A million other things. I can't get him to return an email. So wow. I, I booked the show. I get I asked Judd to be on the show, and sure. I put it all together. Now, granted, I'd never get within in 100 miles of Judd if it weren't for this club, but I did ask him. He comes, and all of a sudden, Noam is all of a sudden interested in being at the forefront. You know, the whole week I can't get him on the phone. I get it. Then he gets to the show. <laughs> <laughs> then he gets to the show, and he wants to conduct the interview. I get uh, it. If anybody well, wants... Like, I, I want to say this about Dan. Well, why can't I conduct the interview? I'm the one who put the whole okay. thing together. Some people have uh, are not self-aware, and I think that if anybody were to listen to the recording of what Dan is describing, they would not see it the way Dan sees it. This but, is a yeah, because they didn't day. see you the whole week not answering emails, uh, saying I can't, well, I can't that, be there because that's not fair like, to my bring into in. what happened. It doesn't matter if I answer the email or not. Point is, the show was going well on the day. Uh, you, and, the show was going well. It could have gone. The show would go that much better if you had. You if, if I, I Judd thought it was a bit, it's fine. Uh, you I, didn't think I, it was a bit. If well, you, the, the point is, is, is no, I. 
I'm trying to ask Judd one question. Noam's trying to ask Judd another question. Okay, but there's a so concept of being a professional. Po- Who walks off a show? You had a show. It's Were you allowed to walk power. off when somebody aggravated you? <laughs> it's the only power I have. That's no power. We went on famously without you, but we missed you. I wanted you there. You're like Bieber. Well, it's the, as Bieber I said, it's the, unfortunately, it's, it's horrible. <laughs> but then you got to have the whole interview. Again, again the Patrice, like, Patrice is so, was such a respected comic and yeah. such a funny comic. But the things he would do, you know, I couldn't respect it. Like walking off and taking... He'd walk a, off stage? If he didn't... Did he actually walk off? He, he did worse than walk know. off. If, if, if he decided it wasn't going well, he would just take a flamethrower to the crowd. Sometimes <laughs> the, his, his version of walking off was staying on, you know, for, for a half an hour. And, and you know, it disrespected the other comics, disrespected the, the audience. Some guy who's waiting all week to spend money and take his girl out to see a show, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and somehow... It gets remembered as this genius thing, you know, and it's respected in some way. It shouldn't be respected. I see a frustration in you, It's an awesome story. I see a frustration in you, not just for comedians, but maybe just with reality and the way that memory works and the way that time changes things. And it's a very... It's called truth, It's It's called truth. No, I I hear you. I understand. Like, it it, it bothers people the way that uh, the, the social mind shapes and catapults some people and erases memories, and, and it's, it's very disturbing. And what do we have if we don't have the truth? Comedians would see this guy torch the room and say, oh, isn't he famous? Well, isn't, he, all, isn't he great? He's what, a genius. What comedians say? I don't even know oh, about the incident you're, you're talking about. You talk to about. Jim Norton about Patrice. Yeah, you can't Jim get and, him to say a bad Jim word. Jim and, and Patrice were the very, very best of friends, That's of course. I have best friends. I, you're a good friend of mine. I, I'm not afraid to criticize you. Like, you, you can't... Well, res- that, how can you... I don't hear a general... When I hear people talk about Patrice and how great he is, I don't hear people saying, he's great because he walked off stage or did this or did... I hear he's great because they love his bit about getting a receipt when he buys a donut just in case somebody gets raped in the neighborhood. Patrice, Patrice had great well, material. You know, I don't hear people saying Patrice was great because of that incident you're describing. No. I don't hear it. No, they, 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 they kind of admired the rogue persona. And I, and I don't like to see any entertainer in any genre become untethered from a respect to the audience and trying to please an audience. We were just it's talking no about shame that in that. with Bill Hicks, too. I was, I, Attell did my podcast, and I was telling him that I get very uncomfortable when I watch those old clips of Hicks. Another guy people won't criticize. I don't really know Patrice's uh, stuff or that folklore about him, but I would watch the clips of Bill Hicks and he'd just call a woman a cunt 45 times and that was like what he did. And I was like, Bill, baby, you might be on the road too much. Bring it in. What comics are praising this? (laughs) Hug your friend. Yes, my my mother. And uh, you suck. You fucking cunt. Get the fuck out of here right now. Get out. Fuck you. Fuck you, you idiot. You're everything that America should be flushed down the toilet, you fucking turd. Fuck you. Get out. Get out, you fucking drunk bitch. Take her out. Take her fucking out. Take her to somewhere that's good. Go see fucking Madonna, you fucking idiot piece of shit. You suck, buddy. You suck. I can yell at the comedian because I'm a drunk cunt. That gives me carte blanche. I got a cunt and I'm drunk. I can do anything I want. I don't have a cock. I can yell at performers because I'm a fucking idiot because I got a cunt. Do you want to hear the Jeffrey Gorian story? You yeah. Tell me so, um, oh, story I, time. I read in, in the, in the Je- what's, his, what's his website called? Sandpaper suit. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he has a website called Comedy Matters, but he writes a weekly column for the Intero Bank. Okay, well, I don't know which one it was, actually. Now that I didn't realize that. So he writes that, uh, yeah, so Noam Dwarman sponsored comedian Jeff Leach to come over here to become an American, blah, blah, blah. blah. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, I read that. And, and I was, first of all, it's not true. There, there's some grain of truth to it. Mm-hmm. But I was really upset that, first it, it doesn't, it doesn't look good. And I felt it was my personal business. And I said, listen, that's really not true. Can you just take it out? And he starts, like, sparring with me. Well, what is the truth? I'm like, the truth is none of your business. I'll just take it out. And I didn't say it, but implicitly it's like, you come here. Don't think you're ever fucking walking in here again if you want to start. It's not even important. You're not a journalist. And I don't like it. So, I mean, it's not, it's not like uh, um, he, he, right. well, he like, uncovered a Watergate conspiracy. I'm not taking it out. I have an obligation. This is not. It's, it's my personal. So, so, so instead of taking it out, uh-huh. this way, he prints a retraction, meaning like 
We said that Noam Dwarman sponsored Jeff Leisure, but Noam says, Noam called me and told me it's not true. So instead of just having it disappear, he compounded it right. by making it public that I was upset about it and, and asked him to take it out. What? He's dead to me. What? <laughs> well, I don't see what's so bad dead. about it's, the retraction. What happened to the empathy? <laughs> what, you don't see what's bad about the retraction? Because, whatever. Because, you know, as I'm telling it, I realize you have to be in my shoes to understand this. I don't want my personal... This is really big. This is not about comedy. This is my personal business interaction with comics. I don't want a guy coming in here supposedly uh, as a favored person in the club, shaking hands, talking to the comics, coming to the comedian table, writing about my personal business, start questioning the comedians, getting them to answer something, and writing it in his column. If he, he can do that, mm -hmm. all he wants as a journalist means no relationship with me, no relationship with the place, like Jason Zinneman. Right. When Jason Zinneman walks in, I have no illusions that he, he's here as anything as his he's own. He's here for the story. He, he should have a fedora with a note card in it yeah. that says press. <laughs> no, he's his own. <laughs> I do kind of wish that we did have the fedoras <laughs> and the, and, the and, press I'm, and that's why I'm always cautious about you. But I've, I've grown to like you a little bit more. Uh, no, cautious. honestly, I, I always used to say I don't like Cautiously because, optimistic. Because uh, I, don't like the, uh, I, I don't like an outside ear. I would like to know that mm -hmm. whatever I say, whatever anybody says in here, whatever business I do here stays here. I don't want some jackass coming in and writing it. And now everybody who Googles me, this becomes information. That's I don't like That's the comedy it. mafia thing. There really is like that hierarchy and you're like, this is the back table. You don't do that at the cellar. That's a main guy. Or, or, you know what I mean? That's, that's right. I'm not I'm not making fun of you. I'm saying that's the attitude is people want to be like, this is sacred. I don't what? feel made fun of But the day that he comes in here, he's sitting at close to the table at my, I mean, obviously right. uh, at my pleasure, right? I'm, I'm allowing you to, to do it. I'm not, I don't mean that to sound haughty, but you know what I'm saying? I'm, right. And next day, you go home and write something which puts me or the place or any of the comedians who work here in a bad light, you're not getting in the place again. You can write whatever you right. want and you can go see them wherever you want, but I'm not going to facilitate it. And, and I feel like... I don't understand what he said that was so bad. It, it, it's uh, what's bad. Is, now you're blowing it up. Well, you know <laughs> what you're it making is? it more of a thing. I, I'll tell you. I'm going to tell you. I, I honestly mean I don't think I understood. I might have tuned I, out a little bit. I, you know what? I'm going to tell you off the air why it's so okay. bad, and then you'll understand. Um, <laughs> I know uh, Jeffrey, and for well, what it's I, worth, he's a sweet guy. I, I, I can't speak for him. What I, I can tell you just from my own observance of it is what word. he does. My observations. <laughs> I always liked him. My observations. I always that, liked him. Is that what he does is. He files this weekly column. It's more of a names and faces thing that you would see in the old in the old tabloid newspapers. Yeah, where like it's, that, it's uh, kind who of was around. Ha half gossipy, like, oh, I, sightings, seen and seen and heard. Right, right, this right. is what I saw. This is what I heard. Right. Where it's like a first person gossipy. Like thing. the gossip column in the in the Lucille Ball show. That, or Wal like, Walter what, what, Winchell, or something like that. Yeah, Walter Winchell. Uh, so that's what he does. He goes, oh, I was here. I saw this. I saw so and so. And then he gets a picture with. Himself no, in the picture. That. Yeah, that doesn't bother me. But that's his approach. He and Nortons it. My Nortons. approach. My approach is, is I approach comedy as a beat. Just like my first newspaper job was in uh, Twin Falls, Idaho, for the Times News daily newspaper. I covered City Hall and the County Courthouse. How did sure. Ted Baxter used to begin his backstory? Line. It all began in a two-hour station, in a twenty-watt station. In but every day, every day, I went to City Hall and the County Courthouse. Whether or not there was a story to be had, I made the rounds every day. Just to make the rounds, to press the flesh, to be to be embedded in the community, to know what's going on. So when something does happen, you and I have a relationship where that's based on trust. Like season five of The Wire. I'm, I'm not here. I'm not here to report on the the day to day, the night to night. But it is interesting. Let, go ahead. If you said something, if you brought, I would wonder where your line is though. Like, just as a question right. of like, if we were in a journalism class. Here you are pressing flesh, and, mm -hmm. and it's nice that we're friends, and, and right. I, I like telling you stuff for your column. But what if I did say, like, this is complete farce right now. I think Bill Cosby had a right to attack women, or whatever it was, right. something really scandalous. And if what if I meant that? Where is the line? Where you know, where well, is our friendship go? Sorry, that's too good. I got to report well, on I, what a piece of shit Pete I, is. I feel like I feel like there's a segment of the comedian population who's who approaches me warily because they think that anything they, they say can and, can, will. Be, can and will be used against them in a court of public opinion. But really, it's more the reverse. If something newsworthy happens, I will tell you, oh, this is a thing. I need to write about this. Right. And then, and then the conversation happens. Yeah. 
I'm not buying it. You, I mean, I mean, I, <laughs> no. no, I'm really not because, and, and I'm and I'm not faulting you. You you your allegiance is to yourself first. If something happens down here, mm -hmm. which is really a scoop, right. and you're the guy who witnessed it, you right. do have a responsibility to scoop it. I am not going to be able to convince you not, not to, scoop it. To, to not reveal it. Right. Uh, it's happened before. Uh, what, no, uh, what do you I, mean? Has he stopped I've you before? No, but no, oh. it's happened before that I've been here and witnessed things and then reported, reported on them. Right, but it, they may have been okay. I'm just saying, if something negative that puts somebody in a bad light. Oh that's, well, that's and and and, and that worries me. Well, you're, that you're hasn't not, happened. You are your presence here mm -hmm. can, is, is <laughs> as you much, really are old school. Man. Your presence here is is a, a constant worry for me because you could hurt me and you really can't help me. Oh, he so, can help you a great deal. No, he can't help he, me. Well, how can he help me a great deal? Well, when John Stewart was here, he can write that John Stewart was here. Oh yeah, no, that that word wasn't going to get out without Sean. Sh Sh well, McCarthy. he'll help it get out even more. No, and I, and I don't even need the word to get out. And, I mean, <laughs> the word gets out. Every customer goes home and tweets it. Every I mean, the word the Huffington Post covered it. Everybody covered it. But I, as I said, but there's I, a I've control. Kind of grown, the, I've kind of grown to like you. But I can tell the truth of what yeah. happened instead of any numbnuts with a Twitter account. Yeah, if, about if the, what happened. If the truth is not bad, I'm just saying right. something could happen when, let's say, Amy Schumer and Jennifer Lawrence get in a big cat fight at the right. table, and you and you hear the whole thing. And you got a really hot story. You can make thousands of dollars from it. Maybe you even recorded it. I don't know. You know, if you weren't here, nobody would ever hear about it, you know? If, if that's what I was doing. Do you, you're you're going to stand up and lock the door and go, now you can't leave. Exactly. <laughs> if, if that was if You're going to break his cell phone if, like they, it's like Sonny broke the, if, the, if, the if camera that was, in The Godfather. If that was throw my, $20 at your feet. If that was my M.O., if that was my M.O., I wouldn't still be a one-man web operation. It's not an M.O. I, I'm not criticizing you. It's, it's what you do Are for you a saying living. you'd be further no, ahead I, if you would right. do channel? <laughs> right. I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be alone. Well, that's why you're fun. Journalist. You're, you're, you're a calming presence. You're on the side of comedy. I've established a reputation. And you're very bribable. I've said And he was talking to a hot girl the other night. Oh, shit. And, uh, well, I have to go. Uh, we all have to go. Uh, special thanks to Pete Holmes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's uh, end on that note. I was talking to a hot girl. <laughs> and uh, soon to be available on podcasts, I believe, Noam. Uh, yes, and, and Sean McCarthy and Dan Natterman. Uh, uh, when, when are you shooting? Up? November 16th, we start shooting. Very, very uh, well, exciting. We yeah, and, and special thanks for thanks having me on. You. Well, thank you very, very much for shooting it at the Underground. Good night, My everybody. Pleasure. Thanks, Noam. Thanks, Noam.